Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> This is Sean Connery, and you're listening to the Hail Me Power Hour. Hello, all you galactic space nerds. Welcome back to the Hail Me Power Hour. And, and here with me to go through the episodes is the Buddy Ravel to my Jerry Mitchell, Danny Bennett. Well, congratulations, all of you listeners today, because we are in for a treat. We have a special guest, and it is the Crypt Keeper from the Tales from the Crypt. We've got him here, and, and he's uh, he's going to cackle, and he's going to make uh, bad puns, and it's going to be a great time. Hail Ming. Well, we're here, actually, today to go through uh, two uh, uh, romantic comedy slash sex romp comedies of the 80s. Uh, just one of the guys. Yes. And three o'clock high. Kind of changing the pace a little bit, stepping to a different genre, I guess you'd say, of these movies, and going pure 80s teen movie on you. Yeah. And, and it's a fun teen movie, too. It's, it's not just a teen movie for the sake of putting some teens on there. There's actually some plots there. There's a, there's a confrontation with the greater evil, there's a gender bending. Right. We're not talking That's, joysticks here. No, we're not. It, this isn't some, what, war games with Matthew Broderick. I mean, what was that even about? Hail Ming. Anyways, we are super excited about having our first guest ever on the Hail Ming Pow Hour. And that guest's name is Robert Galuzzo from the best podcast about horror movies there is, Killer POV. We are just tickled pink. Yes. Pretty in pink. I am a diehard fan of Killer POV, and and this is like this is like getting Elvis to be on your show, man. This is awesome. The guy is just full of knowledge. He works in the industry. He's a musician. He's a producer. He's directed. He's done all these things. He's just just a genuinely nice guy. For him to take time to stop and just hang out with us is just absolutely awesome. So I'm glad to have him on the show. Yeah, and, and if you think he's done with, with all that that Rick just mentioned, well, you're wrong because he's everything wrapped up in one, but he's working hard to become everything wrapped up in two. <laughs> wrapped up in two? Wrapped up in two. Right. No, of, of course, it's uh, it's good to have him on the show. He brings a lot to the table. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So enough of my yapping. We'll be right back with just one of the guys. Hello, kitties. It's your old friend, the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to the Hell Ming Power Hour. 
Rick has a simple question. Why? George Lucas. Greedo shooting first. Why? Are you out of your mind? Do you know how ridiculous this looks? It's like going back and giving Bruce the Shark and Jaws eyebrows so he can have more expression. So why? You're raping my childhood, Lucas. All right, everybody, welcome back. So, so excited about this. This is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, first time we have a guest on our show. And super excited. I couldn't think of anybody any better. So as you can tell from the promo earlier, we've changed gears a little bit, going from the sci-fi fantasy stuff into straight-up 80s sex rom-com teen movie. So uh, when I hear the words 86 rom-com movies, I couldn't help but think of Mr. Robert Galuzzo. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know what to say to that. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, man, for you out there that don't know, this guy is just a machine. This guy's done so much work and had the chance to meet him. When it comes to podcasting, this guy's pretty much my hero and the team that he's with, Killer POV. I started listening to him, and uh, I listened to 78 episodes in three months. So, Holy smokes. <laughs> wow. You're the one. That's I'm great. the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you are looking for a horror podcast, Killer POV, with Rob Galuzzo. Yes. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Pleasure to be here to not talk about horror for once. <laughs> yeah. He never gets a break. Uh, it's, it's it's certainly a, a good deal to get to meet uh, people. I'm relatively new to it. You know, Rick is obsessive, and uh, he has a tendency to just, just grab everything he wants and consume it. Um, I have just to have like the your salad of, bar. Yeah, just like your salad <laughs> bar. Killer POV. You guys have a wealth of knowledge and a lot of experience, and you can tell when you bring it to the table. The only problem I have with it is, you know, I'm so woefully behind the curve that when I listen to one episode, it's like, well, there's 60 movies that I'm probably not going to catch up on, and they all sound pretty, <laughs> pretty awesome. Right, right. So it, it, it's kind of disconcerting. Yeah. yeah it's, well, you know. Go, go, find them at your own pace. There's no, there's no rush. <laughs> it, it's scary how much knowledge is sitting at that table when they're doing these shows and how many movies they've watched. You guys are probably saying, "What makes this guy worthy to be on this show?" Well, <laughs> Good, Danny, let me know too. I'm curious. <laughs> Danny, this guy has his, an unbelievable love for the Flash Gordon movie. Yes, it's great. Love it. Matter of fact, I'm jealous because. He says the only way that he will see it is how, Rob? Uh, on the big screen, whenever it plays theatrical, which uh, usually happens, usually every other year, it plays somewhere in L.A. Uh, but that nice. tradition started back in New York. The first time I saw it, I mean, I've seen it. It's one of my favorites as a kid. But the first time I saw it on the big screen was on a double bill with Xanadu, which was <laughs> the craziest three hours of my life, and I loved it. So... <laughs> I unapologetically will go see both of those on the big screen anytime they play. That's awesome. <laughs> so. But yeah, there's no reason to apologize for wanting to go see Flash Gordon. Now, there might be a reason to apologize if you ask somebody to wear one of those Hawkman backpacks. Oh, yeah. you forgot, though. Rob's spirit animal is Brian Blissett. No kidding. <laughs> yes. 
It's true. It's true. Who for the longest time I thought was the guy in pieces, but I was wrong. Oh, like, oh. the guy who played Bluto. It's right. not. They're two different dudes. Right now, you see yeah. why he's on the show. <laughs> my, my wife gets uh gets brian blessed confused with john reese davies and and sometimes i can see that except you never see a dwarf go dive <laughs> well we, we could uh rob if you would man take this opportunity plug away everything you've done uh, seriously if you need to know anything about horror this is oh, the guy Oh, God. No pressure. no pressure. Yeah, no. I mean, I guess. Uh, so there's the weekly podcast, Killer POV, which you guys mentioned. A couple years ago, I did a documentary called The Psycho Legacy, which uh, Shout Factory put out before Scream Factory existed. Awesome. So if you love those movies, in particular, the sequels, uh, we spend like maybe 20, 25 minutes on each movie. So feature length doc. Um, and other than that, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I co run Blumhouse.com as the senior editor with. Becca McHenry, my co-host of Killer POV. Right. And um, we are cranking all sorts of horror content out every single day on Blumhouse.com. So check it out. There's got to be something there for everybody because that's, that's uh, you know, our goal has been to try to get that fun vibe from Killer POV out on the website. Right. And now we've expanded it to, you know, like true crime stuff and just, you know, real life scares, etc. So we're, we're trying to have something fun on there for everybody. It's another thing that blows my mind about Killer POV because I keep thinking, yep, they've hit their peak. They can't really <laughs> go anywhere else. They've covered everything. And dang, if you don't do it, the next episode, it just blows my mind that yeah. you're still talking about these things. And I'm like, how do they come up with this? Yeah, I guess when you love movies as much, look, everyone has a different perspective. So I guess if you love movies as much as you do, you'll always you'll always find a new angle in. I mean, I've been writing about horror on the internet for 13 years now and every week i'm like oh my god what else can i say about john carpenter <laughs> like we know he's awesome right uh but the good thing about the thing i've learned now at my age is you because of your life experiences uh you have you have a different view of movies even even if you saw them five years ago if you watch it now because of everything you've been through in that time period you'll kind of see it slightly different and, you know, obviously, then I talked to somebody like you, Ricky, and obviously you have a different experience with that movie because of your life experiences. Right. So there's it always it always shifts. There's always ways to relook at things and reevaluate them. So especially between the three of us, you know, on Killer POV, it's like we just there's so much uh, that we go through in our personal lives <laughs> that helps us kind of, you know, uh, give in and talk about the movies. So. And then there's Elric. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Elric who just doesn't shut up. <laughs> but bless him, uh, bless him. Just great chemistry on that show, man. And it's the one that we strive to even try to get close to touch the hem of the garment of, you know. Oh, my God. Well, you know, just do, just do your thing. Don't, yeah, just, just by you doing your thing, you've already achieved uh, as much as us. So, totally fine. I don't gush quite as much as, as Rick does, but... <laughs> Uh -huh. I mean, it's always good, like, just particularly in movies, you know, what we talked about our first uh, foray into to podcasting is that just watching movies and enjoying them was such a formative thing for us growing up. And, you know, it might, might sound trite to say, well, movies shape my life, but really, you know, people watch movies now and they try and dissect them and they try and redo them and they try and point out all the bad special effects. But if you just sit down for two and a half hours of a good story... Yeah. You know, we discovered that we could sit down for two and a half hours and talk about the movie Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Not, who, in <laughs> Not in 3D. Not in 3D, Elric Kane. 
<laughs> yeah, inside joke. <laughs> but yeah, and another thing I love about Killer POV, and it's just like what we're talking about, they don't beat a movie up. They may not like it, but they're not going to just start dragging it through the mud. And I, I really respect that, and that's something we've carried to our show, too. Everything's got its place, and uh, yeah, everybody's movie is somebody's favorite. No matter, like you know, and I, I remember working at I used to work at Amoeba here in Hollywood, which is a giant warehouse style record video store, and I worked in the video section. And like some some young girl came in was looking for Van Helsing. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, it's Van Helsing. What do you say? <laughs> Everyone has an opinion when they when they hear that they kind of think, yeah, it's a crappy movie. But I literally, I mean, I went and I found it for her, and I've never seen a girl so happy to have a movie <laughs> in her hands. So I was like, you know what? Why am I going to knock it? I, that just made her day. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's every movie somebody's favorite. So. We're kind of that way with Howling 2. <laughs> <laughs> Howling 2 I've come to appreciate a lot more as the years have gone by. Uh, uh, so <laughs> I was trying to explain the Howling 2 to somebody the other day, and, and I just couldn't do it. It's like, well, if Sybil Danning's ever there, you know, Rick and I are going to have to get a soundbite from Sybil Danning. And they're like, why? And it's because of the howling, too. And what would the sound bite be? Her ripping her shirt? Yeah. 14 times in a row. Maybe we could get her to howl like a wolf. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah. So we basically try to convince people they need to check this movie out. So just one of the guys, 1985. It's right up there with a lot of the six rom-coms of the time, but with a little twist. And here to give us an IMBD reading, here's John Rambo imitating Rocky Balboa. Just for the guys, a 1985 film, rated PG-13, 90 minutes, it's a romance comedy. Terry Griffin has got it all, looks, popularity, the perfect car's boyfriend, an article that's a shoo-in to win her a summer internship at the local newspaper, or so she thinks. A 6.5 out of 10. It's got the famous person, Stephen Basil. The best quote of the movie is, Denise says, Terry. Denise, why are you signs? They're showing a film strip. Everyone there, I had to talk to you. Denise. I'm really into this article. I know, but I need your advice. You're my best friend. I try to deal with this myself. Hell, Ming. So, Danny, kick us off. Why do you watch Just One of the Guys? Well, you know, my number one reason, and it might not be in chronological order, but it's got to be Buddy, her yes. little brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he is fantastic. <laughs> uh, he is oversexed. You know, he is... He's, uh, in pursuit of um, the loss of his virginity while his parents are out of town, and it leads him to be just just over the top. Also, he's young Beastmaster. He is young Beastmaster. We just covered Beastmaster last week, and I was like, "Man, I've seen that guy somewhere before." And then, <laughs> and then we were watching. And I was rewatching this one, and I was like, "Oh, hey, it's young Beastmaster. It's Buddy." Right. And I think he was wasn't he on that TV show Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which is oh. like a Ferris Bueller ripoff TV show. Right. That's what I remember him from. He acted for a while in a bunch of stuff, but he also uh, he he did some producing and he uh, he was in a rock band for a while. And uh, I guess the guy's just kind of uh, kind of a renaissance man. Yeah, <laughs> he's starting to become a hero now. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great. He's, he's right really up there with Silver Danny. I'm going to yeah. call him when we get done. See if he wants to do a podcast. 
All right. Another great reason to watch this movie. It is 80s to the max, man. The clothes, <laughs> the skinny ties, the references, the cars. If you want a timepiece of the 80s, this is a pretty good one. Yeah, it's got a montage. Sure, of course. <laughs> Every great 80s movie has a montage. Absolutely. Need a montage. Uh, well, for me, I, I love I love the cast. Uh, I was in love with uh, Joyce Heisner, who is the lead. Yeah. Uh, and the whole thing confused me, obviously, because I'm like, she's so hot, but now she's short hair and she's a boy. I don't understand what's happening. Uh, <laughs> but like a lot of people, I'm sure, I don't think this is a big hit theatrically. I can't remember, and don't quote me on that, but... I remember playing on cable on right. HBO nonstop. So yep. this was one of those movies that I would always catch on cable. And I was really young, and it was the first boobs I ever saw, and they right. were perfect. They've <laughs> never been as great since because <laughs> you're kind of like shooting pretty high right there. Um, but um, I loved it, the comedy, everything about it. I mean, I kind of have a thing for switch comedies, and this is technically one of them, which is oh, – yeah. Two people switching places, you know, vice versa, 18 again, all that kind of crap. But yeah, uh, but this is one of my favorites. And it's funny that you paired it up with Three O'Clock High because I recently rewatched both of them. And the one thing I can say about both is like from a script point of view, because now, now I write. So now I think about things from a writer's perspective. Like they both have perfect scripts. Like, yeah. Perfect. There's not any sort of useless information or scene that you're like, eh, that doesn't really need to be there. Right. It's just perfect from start to finish. Great story, great morals to both of them, uh, great character arcs, and just really, really funny. Right. Uh, you know, and I love, you know, I love Charlotte Finn is in it, kind of young, William Zapka, who is always the villain of every one of these 80s <laughs> movies. Uh, so you can't go wrong with just one of the guys. It's just, it's one of those perfect 80s. Like, if somebody said, what's. You know what? What embodies all the '80s movies? I'd probably tell them to watch this one. It's pretty it's got, close. It, it hits all the check marks of right. what you should expect. I agree. And you know, in looking this up, you know, I, I just like you, I saw it on HBO like at least four times a week, and I sat mm -hmm. down to watch it every single time. And <laughs> you know, one of the things that that surprised me, uh, uh, Rosanna Arquette came in early on, and, and she went to the lead and tried to convince her not to have that shirt ripping scene in there. And yeah, I, because yeah, I mean, I can see why. You know, she was new to it, and she hasn't done a whole lot since, sadly, because she is a she is a fox. She's gorgeous. Yeah, no, she's well. You know, there's funny. There's a great um, if you go on YouTube. I think you could just put in like just one of the guys reunion, but they screened it in Los Angeles. I think last year, uh, and almost everybody showed up. Like they were all there. So somebody filmed the entire Q and post. You know, screening cool. Q and A. And that's, awesome. that's really, I mean, because there's no, like, special edition of it. So most of the information I got was from that. And, you know, the, the movie, A, the movie is directed by uh, a woman. Right. Um, and she, you know, when when Joyce signed on for it, she, did, she didn't do nudity. Um, but it was kind of, the way she explained it, the director was like, it's just, you know, like, you can't just sit there and explain, like, your entire plot or your plan of what you did the whole movie this and that it's like the only way to get the point across in like two seconds and let this guy know that everything you just said is true is if you showed the nudity and you know she even said like it's not exploitive it's not you know it's not just for the sake of it it's for uh, the story right. so yeah. sure to 12 year old boys who <laughs> who have never seen such a thing you're like holy smokes but again looking at it as a writer now it's totally like oh my god they totally in one moment were able to like 
encapsulate, uh, you know, getting a message across to one of the other characters. So there's that aspect of it. She also, at the time, and she seemed like she was very adamant about talking about it, but apparently she was dating Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so maybe she didn't have to work a lot. I mean, she, I know after this, she was on the Flash TV show in the 1990s right? Um, right. as one of the love interests. So she's done stuff throughout the years, but I don't know, man, when you're torn with the boss, maybe you don't need to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. makes sense to me. I wouldn't do anything if I was on tour with the boss. So, <laughs> <laughs> and well, I'm just kind of sad that I didn't see her in more stuff because you know, just like uh, Diane Franklin, who I got the opportunity to see both of them when I was growing up, they they definitely became uh, the the girl I was looking for. You know, and, yeah, and she's got one of those distinctions too. So you know, when I went back, I was like, man, she's done a lot of TV. You know, as far as movies go, I get you know not a whole lot. So Rob, yeah. you see how I acted with you coming on the show. Yeah. When, when Danny met Diane Franklin, 10 times worse. I, I understand. It was ridiculous. I've never she's, seen him freeze before. She's the she's just super nice, too. She's yeah. like one of the nicest people I've met. I also got to meet Roddy Piper there, and he was just right. incredibly, incredibly friendly. Yeah. yeah, such a great guy. Another reason, because we can go through the whole cast, but Clayton Rayner, man. <laughs> Love him. Or Rohner. Clayton Rohner, right? Yeah, the no, last name always right. throws me. Yeah, that sounds right. He doesn't mind. G versus E, man. <laughs> G versus E. I can't wait to do that show. I know, I know. But he's <laughs> he's one of those faces you saw throughout the years just pop up here and there. And uh, yeah, really. This is where I remember him first. Yeah, same here. Yep. And then you know, I'm Madman, and you're like, oh, that's the dude from Just oh, One of the Guys. Yeah. Yep. You know, right. Another good one. And he had that. His character had that fixation with James Brown. I mean, like, <laughs> kind of like you said. It wasn't an extraneous thing to the script. It just gave that character a little more, a little more depth than just, oh, he's kind of a loser that's nice to people, and and she ends up liking him because he's a cool guy. But he's got some weird quirks, and that makes yeah. him all the more memorable. Yeah, I mean, all you need to know is he likes James Brown. And you're like, all right, this guy's got taste. He's got style. He's cool. That's yeah. <laughs> he's cool. So yes, exactly. Yeah. So, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say the other funny tidbit, like just sheer coincidence, and that's the that's the other thing about being like a movie nerd and just watching so many movies. I just started revisiting all the species movies because Screen Factory put out all the sequels, and I was like, oh, Ooh. let me watch them again. So the writer, Species. one of the writers of just one of the guys wrote Species. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's, like, it's like, how did he write both these movies? That's crazy. Uh, so. He's just looking at his H.R. Geiger poster and he was like, <laughs> you know what I can do? <laughs> Need some it's boobies. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, they're there in H.R. Geiger too. Uh, um, <laughs> so I, I've got down as a second reason to watch just one of the guys. You got the, the weird... Um, Savage Steve Holland esque uh, high school students, you know, right. like the two guys who think they're aliens, right? Yeah, the reptile guy. Yep, yep. I've I, got I mean, that on my list. I just said space nerds. Right. Space nerds. <laughs> they're not the a loser, reason to see it. Guy was Stu Charno from Friday Thirteenth Two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, cool. I'm here to be your human IMDb. Don't worry. <laughs> no, no, it, it's good. I, I, I'm glad you're there for that. Like normally, I can come up with some obscure place where somebody was, but you know, I have to go back a little ways into the '80s to usually do that because I just usually say that dude, right? <laughs> the dude with the. I know pants. that dude. <laughs> Speaking of which, the the college boyfriend is the dude from Inferno. 
from Dario That's Argento. Right. Lee McClowski. And right. you know what's funny? I God, I wish I knew that when because sometimes you know these pieces of information, but they don't all add up. Right. I I was very fortunate to do a very lengthy interview with him about Inferno for the Blu-ray. Right. Um it was just one of wow. those random gigs where like like the day before, they're like, Are you available tomorrow to interview so and so? And I'm like, Yeah, that sounds great. And um and he was such a nice guy and really really weird and artsy and in the best possible way like he had such an amazing if you want you understand if you watch that interview on the inferno blu-ray that blue underground put out but um but yeah he was him and his wife were just really sweet and we talked for a really long time and it wasn't until god on the ride home where i looked him up and i'm like he was just one of the guys he's the douche college boyfriend i could have talked another hour with him about that so And he was uh, such yeah. the epitome. He was such the epitome of the college boy, oh, you know, God, like yeah. <laughs> with that flyaway hair. And he's always, oh, weren't we going to go to the frat house? I mean, he, <laughs> he's got this voice too. Like, like I, I've got an auditory memory. And when I hear voices, sometimes that's what sets me off. I'm like, wait, I've heard that voice. I'll close my eyes and I'll come up where I've seen him again. Right. And he's done so much work. I mean, a lot of soap opera work. And, yeah. and I saw Inferno in there. And I've got to have seen him. 30 times since this movie. Yeah. He's, he's just a hard working actor. A lot of these people that pop up are, and they make the movie. They're the, they're the, uh, the bit parts and the character actors that really, really drive these movies. Yeah. I think, I think you're the supporting cast of these things. Those, those odd characters are what always makes them stand out to all of us. Cause either you knew somebody like that, or maybe you were one of those people and you're like, Oh, so yeah, that, that's what makes some of these 80 movies as great as they are, is, you know, just as memorable in the supporting cast department as the leads. Right. Yeah, it's got to have the right chemistry, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, Rob, what you got next? What do I, for, for this movie? Sure. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what else? What else? Why do I love, I, I just do. Uh, there is a, you know what it is? I think it's because, not that, I, I think Buddy, yet again, the legendary Buddy, the oh, brother. Oh, yeah, Buddy. I think he made it like, you know, when you're a young man, um, you know, guys are gross. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> but you don't know how, how, like, how gross is publicly acceptable. And I think Buddy just opened a whole world where, like, oh, I could totally talk about how to scratch my balls and, uh, <laughs> you know, and kind of, you know, let it all out there a little bit, if you, if you will. I guess he kind of made it be like, oh, all right, I'm not that weird uh, because that's what normal boys are supposed to act like, I guess. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's every every bit of his stuff is comedy gold. Right. In fact, I love when he's anytime the mom calls and you don't know it's the mom, he's just like <laughs> he's just like cursing out this person on the phone, like, yo, scumbag, yeah, you eat me. And he's like, mom says hi. <laughs> yeah, like, that's classic. What kind of family is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to have a parent that's gone for two weeks. When does yeah, that happen in real life? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to get away with this scheme in today's day and age. Although somebody, what was that movie from a few years ago that some? It was like practically a remake. She's the man. She's the man. Was? Yeah, it was one of those. I yep. can't remember one of those like young kind of up and coming maybe Disney stars or whatever. And um, it's the I remember seeing the trailer and I'm like, oh, my God, it's the plot of <laughs> it's totally the plot of just one of the guys. And nobody knows. Yeah, they, they different. Disney's cranking them out. And my kids want to watch them all. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. She's the man from 2006 with Amanda Bynes, um, where she disguises herself. She goes to another school as a boy. 
Does she play and, soccer in that? Yes, that's the one. Okay, I think I've seen parts of that. Yeah. And she, yeah, you know, yeah. as a boy, she she looks pretty good with a little short haircut. You know, I, <laughs> I think I've yeah. seen the finale or something where she like made some dude mad at her and then she like, okay, well, you know, I'm a girl, but I'm going to go win the game or something. And then right. it's a feel good moment for everybody. <laughs> See, it's, it's just one of the guys. It's such a good movie that they've already remade it. So you should go back to the original. Right. And see that because it's much better. Right. You know, Rob, I'm so glad that you brought up that that phone conversation because <laughs> I watched this last week, you know, and, and we've been getting our house ready to show and all kinds of crazy stuff. So I was I was sitting down today just trying to write down, you know, from my, my, my past and from last week, trying to remember all the stuff I want to talk about. And I completely forgot to write that down. That is great. It is hilarious. And the reaction that she has when, when he says, Mom says hi, and she gives him a look. She's eating some pizza. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's the way that whole scene comes together, it made me, you know, my wife sat here and watched it with me, and it made her laugh. Because at first, she was kind of on the fence about the whole movie. But, you know, then it, it, it took her guard down, and by the end of it, she enjoyed it just as much as I did. It's kind of like the three amigos becoming friends with Cochise, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And by the end, yeah, friends. Yeah, friends. <laughs> it's gen- you know and it's genuinely funny because a lot of times we see these movies as kids and there's been plenty that I've revisited where not so good but I guess I found <laughs> it funny because I was a kid and it just seemed goofy to me then right um, but that that's what I meant about these two movies and revisiting them and he's calling their scripts perfect it's because you watch them now and the humor is just as good right uh, if not funnier than when you know you initially saw it so yep. And I think you said it a while ago too. The whole him training his sister how to be a guy, and the you know <laughs> the walk and the talk and all that stuff—it's just good, good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, next on my list, I've got the boyfriend-girlfriend scenario when she comes <laughs> home, and you got Sherilyn Friend showing up, wanting to hang out with him, and then the boyfriend shows up, and she's having to do this double take on everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a noise is off, kind of like right. you're in this room and you're in that room, and she's got to change her hair and change her clothes. Right. Yeah, that that's always good for comedy. But you know what's better <laughs> than that? The gym coach. Oh my god! Oh god, the guy obsessed with bowling. I forgot about him. It's <laughs> <laughs> a seven ten split. What do you do? <laughs> well, and, and yeah, the the way they throw around the word uh, is it the word pussy that he uses so often? Yeah. He's like, what are you a pussy? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think you could get away with that today. <laughs> no, no. I miss the I miss the unpc like I, I miss the unpc nature of the '80s movies where, you know, sure some of the jokes are a little off nowadays, but it's just it's a, you know, it's it's part of time. Right. You know, it's it's the time, it's the era. That's that's how people talked back then. It's not right. that doesn't mean that we're all you know <laughs> racist hate mongers it's just if we right. laugh at that sort of stuff it's just the way you know it's the way it was well, then there were there were some school employees that were that would lose their jobs if they did you know like and the two teachers talking about how pretty terry is at the beginning it's like right. oh, oh yeah see what she was wearing oh hi terry right. yeah 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 <laughs> of course that guy should lose his job but, right yeah. yeah he definitely should yeah. <laughs> well you know i i also think a good thing about this movie is that the the teacher was right she went to another school and she submitted the the article as a boy, and mm-hmm. and she got the same criticism that it just had no no life, it had no soul. Right, right, right. So she learned the lesson that it wasn't because of gender, which you know, even though everybody telling her you could be a model probably doesn't help her to feel like it doesn't have something to do with her looks or her, her gender. But 
But she went with the same article and with the same critical eye. Another journalism teacher said, this just isn't good enough. Right. But she, but the moral of it was she needed to, she didn't have any real life experience. Right. She didn't have anything that inspired her. And that, that was, you know, even though, of course, it came off as a, as a critique against her, you know, it was like the timing of it, like the critique of it. She thought it was because she was a girl because she overheard the teachers talking, etc. And, you know, maybe that played a little bit into it, but she needed to go and have that life experience and meet somebody else. And with any writing in general, it's like until you put yourself into it, like your actual heart and soul, you know, yep. people won't respond to it unless there's something genuine there that they can respond to. Right. So and she was, she was influenced by a guy named Rick. That's what I like about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so another one on my list. I said it earlier. Young Beastmaster is my hero because of this fact. Sherilyn Finn. That's the only sex that occurs in the whole movie. Right. That's true. That's true. I didn't think of that. I, I thought about it today when I was putting together my stuff. You know, I was like, you know, they, they get a lot of bashing because in the 80s there was a lot of a lot of boobs and there there were a lot of movies where, you know, people act like Buddy. But for the most part, it was still pretty innocent. Man, it's yeah. the 80s. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> Unless they were on cocaine. The so the next thing I've got, and I guess we might have... I go out of order because my thoughts don't work that way, but I've got um, I've got the getting cool montage. Oh yeah, because you know they, they she's like, okay, we could need to get you a jacket and then a flyaway shirt to go under the jacket and some new pants, and then he comes out looking like I don't know, like Crockett. He's <laughs> got like the big gray, like wide open jacket with the big lapel that right. David smears the the spaghetti on. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> now, yeah, and, I forgot about that. <laughs> and w- William William Zabka, by the way, also was the bad guy in the Karate Kid. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and he, they reference the Karate Kid in the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. She says, "Hey, he looks like a cross between the Karate Kid and Elvis Costello." So, so hilarious. <laughs> and she does. It's getting all meta. Well, and and the the thing is, uh, I, when I was looking up that stuff, where I noticed that the uh, director was a female, and that screening that you were talking about. And they said that William Zabka said that he had no problem, you know, kicking her around because he had just gotten through doing the Karate Kid. And so right. he was kind of used to kicking around a kid look like the Karate Kid. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, for a bully, he seems like an awfully nice guy in real life. <laughs> That's good to know because a lot of yeah. times you just want to walk up and punch him, you know. Man, right, he, right. Really, he really looks like a super jerk. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he pulls it off well. You got it. And 80s <laughs> bullies are the best. Yeah, I've got that in my notes right here. 80s bullies are the best because they give you your awkward teen. Like after Terry does so many really cringeworthy things like stopping in the hall to tell that chick how to fix her, her earring and then, oh, uh, I got sisters, you know. Yeah. It, after all that awkwardness, you kind of need somebody to come in and just be such a jerk that it makes yeah. it all better. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, that guy's so bad. I'm glad my main character isn't that guy. Got one more thing. The soundtrack. Which I'm sure Rob has in his vinyl collection. I do. I do. Man. Good one. Danny, you should see his vinyl collection, man. It's ridiculous. Well, you know what? Next time he invites me over, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know. I post them all on my Facebook page just as like a way to catalog them. Like as I'm listening, I'm already, I'm pretty much all caught up. But I was really lucky because I, I collected a little bit as a kid, like, you know, when, it, when I was a teen. And then, you know, right now the vinyl craze is like at yeah. an all time high, which is so weird to me. Yeah. Uh, in particular, soundtracks. But 
I don't know, maybe three, four years ago when I got right, right back into it, it wasn't. Uh, so like I, I went on a quest for like every eighties movie and every horror movie. And for the most part, I fought, found them all for like three or $4 a piece. So nice. I lucked out. Cause now just one of the guys is probably 20 bucks minimum. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to try to find it anywhere Man. online. So. Well, you know why? Cause it's got Berlin on there and I'm not talking your <laughs> take my breath away stuff. I'm talking about real Berlin. Right. <laughs> well, as long as there's a, I'm a huge fan of a song being named after the title of the movie. So there right. is a song called Just One of the Guys on right. Just One of the Guys soundtrack. Shalom. Huge fan of when they do that. All right. So uh, anything else, guys? You want to do a recap, Danny? You got anything like that prepared? Here's, here's the reason to watch the movie right here. At the prom, which is on the beach, you've got Sherilyn Finn slinging the punch because she's been spurned. You've got uh, the the shirt ripping open scene you know which which of course we mentioned it, it's definitely something that sticks with you and, and then you've got the buddy shows up with a tuxedo t-shirt with kevin <laughs> kevin comes to the house and he's like oh i'll take you to her but you gotta take you me take with me you because i want to see this <laughs> yeah, so he shows up and he's like i gotta get spruced up and he show well that's that's henry but yeah, yeah it's tom tails that's amazing <laughs> he's he's gotta he's gotta put on his tuxedo t-shirt and he shows up looking all you know buddy-ish and uh and then they get into a fight and of course you know the the bully who's been shown up in the lunchroom uh earlier in an awesome scene uh something to watch for yeah the the bully gets to fighting with uh with our other hero with uh rick yep and and then you know terry jumps on his back like a spider monkey (laughs) and then you know he throws her in the ocean and then buddy jumps on his back like a spider monkey but right. you know, being, being the Karate Kid nemesis, he can take them both. <laughs> right, but see, I love that. I love that Buddy doesn't hesitate. As much as him and his sister fight, it's like as soon as his sister's attacked, he's like, "I gotta step up," and he jumps and tries to defend her poorly. Well, yeah, but, but that's it. Like the siblings in both of these movies, I noticed when I was putting them side by side, the, the younger siblings are really solid characters. They aren't uh, a dismissible foil. Right. Who's yeah. you know going to yeah, try yeah. and like ruin their? He wants to see what happens when he brings Kevin to the prom, but I guess it's because he knows it's inevitable that it's all going to come to a head. Right. And when right, it comes right. down to it, he's there for his sister. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And uh, Sherilyn Finn. <laughs> and Sherilyn Finn. He's there for her. She's and, dressed uh, like last, Madonna. Last horror connection, by the way, which I just well, realized. Uh, the girl that plays her best friend, the Denise. blonde girl. Yeah, because Denise, Denise ends up like with that weird, like you know, metal dude, the dude in the band. That yeah, <laughs> is the epitome of the '80s. Her name is Tony Hudson, and she's in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. Oh, nice. She's the uh, original hitchhiker that's kind of like just stumbling around the woods. Yeah. Wow. So well, I love Good her in, in just one of the guys. Yeah, she's, she's a great, great best friend, and she's you know she's kind of you know the the woeful best friend who's looking for a boy. Um, yes, but in that scene, if she's dancing with Terry because she's his she's Terry's date, and yeah. she looks over and she goes, "I think the band leader's eyeballing me," and that guy with the terrible <laughs> mullet, he's he's got the, the terrible mullet, the big jacket. Oh, it's well, I mean mullets are. Hey man, back awesome. off. He's a pretty ridiculous looking dude, but he's got game apparently. (laughs) Well, you know, I pointed out to my wife, I said, you know what? Everybody in that band looks the same. (laughs) Like they're all wearing the same jacket. They all have the same haircut. And dude, dude definitely is eyeballing this high school girl at the prom. So when you're fast forwarding through just one of the guys and you're stopping at all the buddy parts, you know, 
Make sure you also stop and watch the whole prom. It's a fun movie, man. I love it. So so I'll give you your lowdown. It's it's pretty short for this one. You know, step one, you got to watch for Buddy. Whenever he's on the screen, he chews up the scenery, uh, including when he shows up at her school unannounced and and uh, and just starts skeezing on some chick who's sitting there having lunch. Um, <laughs> you got part two, I put down the alien dudes and the reptile guy because, you know, you're watching them and then you start thinking about one crazy summer or right. better off dead. Um Three, I've got you know the getting cool montage for our our uh, our main character's uh, new bow. So I'm just gonna scoot on to say five is is the prom and watch the prom beginning to end. If you catch all that, then you won't miss out. But I'd say I enjoyed every second of it yeah. as much as I did when I was 11 years old. You shouldn't scan yep. through this one. It's it's a solid film. But we gonna do a rating. I give it a ten. Bang, just like that. Ten. <laughs> One through ten, Rob. Ten. I give it a ten. It's perfect. All right. <laughs> I, I give it a ten too. I, there you go. I, I have nothing against it. I, it. It held up well. There were moments where I was a little embarrassed for the younger me, especially since I was sitting next to my <laughs> wife watching it. But, but then you know it, it won her over, and then we would laugh together. Because Buddy was definitely cringeworthy, but right. like you said, he gives you the 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 right to be just as uh, as horny as he is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so normally at this point, uh, I ask Brian Blessed what he thinks, but uh, my soundboard's messed up, so uh, he'll just have to miss this one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't skip Brian Blessed, man. He he would say, uh, "Who wants to live forever?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Right. That's Brian Blessed's thoughts. I will be right back. Hey, have you ever wanted to pump some iron with attitude, but you don't have the money or equipment? No problem. For almost $25, you can be trained by me, Greg Tolan. I can show you how to get the most potential out of your body without stepping foot in the gym. How is this possible, you say? Well, it's easy. Table lifts. That's right. You can use end tables, coffee tables, kitchen tables, and my personal favorite, lunchroom tables. You can pump up with any table and keep the money in your pocket. Can't find a table? (laughs) No problem. Just pick up a nerd and do some reps. It's that easy. So get the total package, the Greg Tolan package. No pain, no gain. Call now. Boba Fett a clone. Why? Then going back to Empire Strikes Back and changing Boba Fett's voice so it'll match this cockamamie story you come up with on a three-day drunk or something? Did you honestly think this was a good idea? Why? You're raping my childhood, Lucas! In a lawless land, 
Well, I suppose Spring Hill Jack just wants to be left alone. When the odds are against the good guys. Now, you don't hear so good. I said, draw! Spring Heel Jack 2. In a western land, the bounce is back with twice the Jack. We're back. We're going to talk about the incredible, one of my all-time favorite 80s movies, Three O'Clock High. And here to give us an IMBD reading, here's your friend and mine, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Three O'Clock High, a 1987 film, with the PG-13, 101 minutes. It's a comedy. A nerd gets himself in hot water with a new bully. A quiet bad boy who challenges him to fight in the grounds of the high school after the day's end. The 255. The 7.1 out of 10. It's got the famous actor, Jeffrey Tambor, the guy from Arrested Development. The best quote in the movie was, If I can get the money, do you think he'll do it for me? Question mark. The best thing 1987 had to offer. That's probably true. It's that's it's very, very true. true. <laughs> fact, <laughs> and so, that's a fact. But well, yeah. one of the interesting things I, I found when I was looking into this, I decided to look up the director, and I, I'll make this short. But Phil Jeannot, we could talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Well, his name is Phil Jean Jean Jeannot. Yeah. Jeannot. The thing that jumped out at me was that he directed two episodes of Amazing Stories. Right. Yeah, no, he's got a. I recently interviewed him because he he had just done his latest thing is a Blumhouse movie, uh, which oh, cool. is now which is now a Netflix instant. Of course, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but if you give me a second, I'll figure it out. But he has a he has a fascinating career. I saw they did a double bill of Three O'clock High, um, and You Two Rattle and Hum because he directed yep, that as well. That's right. Back uh, yeah, I saw Beverly. that in there. <laughs> and he did a Q&A in between, which, and he was just, he's fascinating. It's like, it's so weird. He, he worked with the biggest band in the world, you 2 He right. did things like Amazing Stories. And he directed a couple of movies, including Three O'Clock High and um, Final Analysis and uh, The Gritteron Gang, the one with the... Uh, Gritteron Gang, yep. Yeah, with, uh, with The Rock. Yep. Um, but then, like, lately, you know, and then he did that really notorious Punisher short with Thomas Jane, Dirty Laundry. Mm. And, and I'm like, yeah. wow, I can't believe that's the same guy because he, he's had quite an interesting uh, career of ups and downs. But that, like, as far as directing goes, I don't think anything tops or matches his work on Three O'Clock High. Like, it's so, so good. That, really his is. new movie is called The Veil, by the way, and it's on Netflix Instant. Hmm. Um, nice. And it's just kind of okay. Um, but uh, yeah, but his his direction, and I think I was telling Ricky before we got on the phone before, a big part of it is that the DP, the guy that shot Three O'Clock High, 
yeah. is uh, Barry Sonnenfeld, who himself <laughs> oh. is yeah. a legendary director. So, so I think that was a big part of it was, you know, you've got a, a great director as your DP as well. So Barry Sonnenfeld is your is your Coen Brothers connection because right. I was I was looking at it and we were talking Sam Raimi and Coen Brothers and of course Barry Sonnenfeld was the director of photography on Raising Arizona right yeah and yeah so so you get a lot of those sweeping shots and a lot of those reverse zoom ins that that Raimi does it's all coming together now I kept calling the movie avant garde until my wife who I've made watch both these movies with me she she said. You know, if you say avant-garde one more time, I'm not going to watch this. It's, it's just looking at all the clocks, man. To yeah. me, uh, being an untrained eye, avant-garde means really close-up shots of clocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's definitely one of the things that stands out for me on the list. Is, man, the cinematography is just amazing in this movie. The picking up of the story from classmates to classmates out in the front of the lot in front of the school is oh, just yeah. genius. Awesome. Yeah, again, what what a what a perfectly orchestrated script. Like yeah. if you break it down to how they tell the story, you know, in an opening montage, overhearing a bunch of students, you know everything that you need to know about your your bully, right. the main bad guy, as before he even shows up. And so the second you show up, it's like I know this guy. I know everything about him based yeah. on the gossip, if you will. And and yeah. this is where we have to step in and defend three o'clock high, because mm-hmm. I think people watching it now you know, they'd say, oh, it's an 80s movie, and they'd listen to that dialogue, which is really well done, and they'd think it was hokey. Right. Because it's like, did you hear about Buddy Ravel? Blah, 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 blah. Did you hear he did this? And and it's a great breakdown of what happened. It's done in the context of the movie, which, by the way, has to take place on the school grounds. It's very mm-hmm. institutional. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but then, you know, it also has the fact that everybody knows about this guy already and it tells the viewer about it. But, you know, if you listen to it and you're thinking, oh, this movie's so hokey, it's old, you might just say, well, it's just cheesy, you know, but it's great. And, and you need to, to check that at the door and right. just watch it and, for what it is and enjoy yep. it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would actually argue that because uh, I would argue it's not hokey because I actually showed it to, uh, you know, my friend has a few teenagers and I, we showed it to them last summer uh for the first time and they were totally into it you know they never made any mention of like you know i think that still happens on school grounds i'm sure i mean kids are kids so they still gossip the only difference is maybe if it was a movie now like you'd see text bubbles pop up on the on the screen it might be people (laughs) just texting each other or you know like but i think that's still it's funny i I, um some of the stuff that i personally write tends to Mm -hmm gravitate a lot towards when i was a kid when i was a teenager because that's pretty much when you know feeling this kind of stuff was at its most potent so you yeah. never forget it and uh i you know it's like i wonder if anyone cares because it's like i grew up in like the 80s and 90s like does anyone would anyone today relate to that and a really good friend of mine who also directed kind of a teenage uh horror movie called excision his name yep. is ricky bates uh he he's like that will always He's like, dude, if you write about your childhood, that will always be universal, no matter what. Uh, cool. It doesn't matter what time period. And he's totally right, because then something like Stand By Me, I was just watching the other day. And yeah. technically, you know, we're not kids in the 50s, but everybody loves Stand it By Me. It still works. You get it. Right. You get it. It works. So no matter right. what, if you're genuine to how kids behave and act, I think it'll always kind of be timeless, regardless of time period or if people have phones or whatever the case is. So. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that because it's from the kids' point of view of things. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I think well, and I'm glad to hear that it has held it, you know, because because I was watching it thinking that we might have to defend that, but I'm I'm glad to hear that teenagers can watch it and again just enjoy the movie without being hypercritical. Yeah, I mean the premise is so <laughs> the premise is so fun. I mean it's essentially nerdy kid accidentally touches new school school bully gets challenged to a fight at three o'clock, and right. then yep. it's like the most suspenseful you know, full day of school as it's counting down to the fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I've got on my list the pep rally, man. He just totally loses <laughs> it the pep rally, so. Yeah. yeah I've yeah, never yeah. seen no, a pep rally great. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let's tear this thing apart and have the, the, the sequin tinsel blood fall all over the place <laughs> while, while cheerleaders tear this body apart. Well, I mean, again, the, the, the writing and the comedy is so rich in, yeah. like, as soon as he gets challenged, like every everything <laughs> relates to the fight. So he goes back to science class, right? And they're watching a, a movie about like a what is it like a it's grasshopper getting scorpion? Eaten by? Yeah. Scorpion, yeah. <laughs> it's like the scorpion <laughs> eats the, the little defenseless cricket, yeah. And then um, what? There's like some book that they're reading in his English class that's uh, like about Achilles. Uh, yeah, Achilles. Oh, yeah, yeah, Hector. Yeah, yeah, yeah Hector <laughs> getting dragged through the streets. Uh, <laughs> like it's just such. It's so perfect the way every every scene works like beautifully in terms of you know again you nothing you could really lose that would be like ah oh, that doesn't have anything to do with the movie. It's all just adds <laughs> to the comedy and the timing of it all. Yeah. I like the uh, I like the guy that's wearing the beret that comes up to <laughs> to bet you know asking if he can last three minutes. Character. <laughs> Yeah, I think I went to school with that guy. Yeah, I think you're solid, man. (laughs) He's like run around, do some fancy footwork, just last three minutes. It's amazing. (laughs) I got quiet because you mentioned Stand by Me, and and I had to look up uh, because the the main character in Three O'clock High is also one of the one of the thugs in Stand by Me. That yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Casey Samakama, Sama- whatever his name is. Samasco. <laughs> like, yeah, well, there you go, what you said. <laughs> and in looking at it, I saw that guy with the beret, and I think he's in it too, but I'm, I don't hey, see man, they, 3 O'Clock High in his filmography. So. They all had the same agents around then. So. Right. Uh, the, here's a great, a great one that if you blink, you'll miss it and never know. And I don't even know why I picked it up. but um, So at the end of 3 O'Clock High, mild spoiler, but not really, um, you know, there's money missing from the school store. So all the students get behind Jerry and decide they'll throw in a dollar for a sheet. Right. And yeah. everyone starts, you know, throwing in money. The first kid that comes up and says that, like, oh, it's a dollar a sheet, I'll take I'll take one, is actually Brian Andrews, who was the hmm. little who's Tommy Doyle in the original Halloween. How about that? John Carver's Halloween. Nice. And it's so weird because he's still at least in three o'clock high, he looks exactly like Tommy from Halloween, only like obviously tall. So you're like, whoa. I mean, it's like a two second roll, but for whatever reason, I immediately was like, oh my God, that's the kid from Halloween. Wow. So, it's always good random. to make those connections. Yeah, that's I don't know. Awesome. It's like the, something fun about that because then you're, I don't know why, you just try to find ways to connect movies. So. Absolutely. This movie yeah. is just full of stuff, man. There, There is not a lag in this movie. The slowest part of the movie is when he's lighting the cigarette. That takes longer than anything else in this movie. And uh, that scene, man, where he's trying to get expelled is just classic. Yeah, yeah. Man. No, it's great. It's kind of, I like the comedy of the everything he tries doesn't work, (laughs) essentially. It all backfires on him. And that's kind of beautiful. The beating up Um, the cash register, and then after he's on the ground, it opens on its own. And, (laughs) you know, just well placed stuff. Well, and the the colors in the the whole place, like again, it's got that institutional look. All the colors are washed out, and all the walls are white. 
you know, I, I like the the feel of it where even though he's trapped in the school and the whole thing takes place within the world of the school, he kind of has free reign within it. Like he, he yeah. runs to every wall trying to find a way out and nobody stops him until it until he's about to get away or until like circumstances have already prohibited him from getting away. So it's like he he can go anywhere he wants to go. He just can't get out. And I just think that's kind of a fun, you know, thing to play with that, you know, you know the school well enough that you're not prohibited by the the rules, but it still doesn't give you what you need to get away from this situation. Yeah, it's the it's the movie that made me wish it made me consider working at the school store because I'm like, that's so cool. I wonder if that's a real job. And like my high school was like a room in like a closet. And I'm like, oh, maybe not so cool. But uh, <laughs> it's the one that made me think like, that would be a cool job. I was, I was going to say, my, I think my favorite aspect of the movie, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, sure, let's jump around. Um, the fight. I mean, the whole oh, movie yeah. is, we, we mentioned the cinematography already. And then it's like, you're leading up to this event. It's like the whole movie is, that's what they're talking about. It's like, there's going to be a fight at three o'clock. Everyone's going to be there. And the reason I like it is because they shoot it like like the f- freaking end fight of a Rocky movie. It's, <laughs> it's like the way it's orchestrated and set up and there's an audience there. And, you know, like it's all choreographed. It's, it's right. just great. It's so great. Yep. And again, I think a big part of that is Barry Sonnenfeld. I mean, he's, he's just such a solid cinematographer and knows how to move the camera that you know by the time you get like you get what you paid for yeah like you know yeah. like you're going to see a school fight you get one and it's awesome <laughs> it's a great fight yeah i, I agree yeah. i mean and it and it goes up and down you know he it, it somebody tries to stop it and they get knocked out cold <laughs> right you know it, it's it's got every element to it that makes it both dangerous and fun you know people jump in from the i, I like when his friend jumps in and it's right. like got buddy up against that car and he's just kind of <laughs> slapping him He's he's there to to hold him off while uh while the little sister I'm going to point out again brings him the brass knuckles right is, yeah is, again you got the little sibling who who's who's totally helpful being so, a younger brother myself I, so I how cool that. is the fight even the principal is is cheering it on it before it's over with <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah. how awesome of a fight this is folks yeah it's pretty great and you got Mitch Pelleggi uh, uh, Horace Pinker from uh, Shocker from Shocker but also X Files yes. yeah. So yeah. he's like the he's the security he's the badass security guy. Wait, yeah. what's his name? His name is Duke Herman. <laughs> <laughs> no escape the escapes the Duke. Make sure to tell your friends no one escapes the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> this this it's has it? also just as many like like we just mentioned him and the best friend. Just as many great secondary characters, the Bray guy. But also oh, I man. love and I, I my friend used this quote for his movie and, and I it's it instantly picked it up was the two filmmaker guys that trying to follow him right. around. They're like, come on, man. Pain is temporary. Film, film is forever. Film is forever. <laughs> so film is like forever. One of the greatest lines in 80s <laughs> cinema is that. <laughs> yeah. They're on my list, too. I love the movie makers, man. Just sign yeah. this. It's just a release. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's pretty great. And, and it's not just it's not just a, a fight either. Like, everything that you hear about Buddy Revelle is he puts people in the hospital and permanently scars them and I, it's terrible. It's really frightening to think oh, about man. what this guy's going through. It's not just, oh, I'm going to get punched and I'm going to go down. Yeah. It's well, you know what? I, I, like, there were a lot of... It's funny. There's there's what I call scary moments in not scary movies that I experienced a lot when I was watching these movies in the 80s. And a perfect example is like, you know, the large Marge scene in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. When you I first say saw that. that, it scared me. <laughs> I was a little kid. I'm like, oh, that's kind of scary. 
Right. So there's always like that one moment in some of these movies that aren't intended to be scary, but because you're a little too young, that they get you. And for me, it was when he hires the bully to go right. try to deter um, Buddy from fighting him. And there's just one, it's like probably the most graphic shot of the movie. Right. There's one graphic shot where he punches him in the face, and when he looks up, he's just like gushing blood from his mouth and nose, and and then it yeah. just cuts to Jerry throwing up. And yeah. I just remember that kind of shocked me a little bit as a kid. I was a little scared of that moment. Sure. Um, I mean, now it doesn't matter, but you know what I mean. It's like <laughs> one of those weird, scary, like, man, this guy can do damage. He's scary. Right. So, one punch and lays this guy punch. out. Knocks over all the bookshelves, too. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 Very intimidating guy. Yeah. So Richard, Richard Tyson, you know, big Great. dude, man. Uh, he's in Danny's favorite movie. Two Moon Junction. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you were going to say Kindergarten Cop. Which is oh yeah, he's in two movies. <laughs> but it's a toss-up between those two. I love them yes. both equally. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you mentioned Large Marge. She's in this movie. She's the nurse. Oh, that's right. Oh, Eden Cobbler, very smart for Alice Nunn, hypoglycemic. That's sure right. <laughs> Rob, you just nailed what this show is about. Why we started it because. Our angle is all of these movies we grew up with have those elements in it that are scary, mm. and even though they're not necessarily horror, but that leads you down that path to becoming a horror fan. You have just nailed what the show is about. Oh, sure. Yep. <laughs> and that's our angle. Also- that's that's what we're trying to do a little different because that's the way we see it. You know, Wizard of Oz has some scary stuff in it. Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's also a connection to uh, a contemporary horror movie in that the, the scene where the bully uh, knocks the football player into the uh, the library shelves and it and knocks the, the knight's armor over and causes that whole domino thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they were running a little uh, under budget when they did The Mummy. And uh, and they took that same scene and just, uh, you know, stuck Rachel Wise in there. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Is it really? Wow. Uh-oh. Well, they, they needed the money to pay, um, uh, what, Anthony Vosloo, the guy who played right. uh, the mummy. And he, see, yes. he was demanding quite a bit if he was going to speak ancient Egyptian. Right. Well, you know what makes me sad is he was like, like, I like that dude, don't get me wrong, because he played Darkman in the Darkman sequel. He did play Darkman. Darkman 3, die, Darkman, die. But the reason oh, he's right. in the mummy is because, like, I always thought he was, like, poor man's Billy Zane. Right. And now it makes me so sad that Billy Zane is like the star of Scorpion King 3. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. now they don't even get poor man's Billy Zane. They get actual Billy Zane <laughs> in those sequels. <laughs> so anyway. Weird I think it might have been, been the Phantom that, that did Billy Zane in. And yeah. I enjoyed it as much as I can enjoy a movie with Treat Williams. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he gets my eternal respect for uh, Demon Knights. So. Absolutely. I'm all for the Zane. That is on our list to cover for sure. Love that movie. <laughs> So. Demon Knight defies expectations in all ways. Right. <laughs> uh, my other thing that I love about this is the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. Yes. Which is ter- one of my favorites that they've ever done, quite frankly. It's great. Well, folks, you can't go wrong with this movie. Both of these movies we're covering today, there's no sense really in fast-forwarding because there's just too much good stuff. So you're in luck. These are classic great 80s movies that you can't go wrong with. Even though they're not as popular as Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink, these stand the test of time, I think. And there's there's stuff in there like like Jeffrey Tambor's in there as the uh, the guy running the student store. 
Right. Oh yeah. yeah. And and he, you know, I saw him and I recognized his voice, of course, because he's so much younger than you know Arrested Development or anything I've seen him in recently. Yeah. And mm. and you know he delivers a line where he says, he says whoever did this to the yeah. student store. Uh, needs to be excised like like an aggressive tumor in a colon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like wow, what what a line! It's almost as good as cripple the dick, which is which is probably yep. my favorite line. Oh, that's a great one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cripple the dick. <laughs> and Philip Baker Hall is the detective that comes yes. in. He's been in a ton of stuff too, man. That guy's so. the hardest working man in hard work. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just sort of up. got that. <laughs> yes, got it. It took me he a minute. Was, <laughs> he was the uh, he was the library cop on Seinfeld, but yeah, other than that, with like a whole bunch of Law and Orders, and yeah, I mean, he plays that character in everything. Yep. And what about the the principal's office? It's got like yeah. the Panther coming off the wall. <laughs> they even do like the Panther roar, and he's what? got like a, he's got like Nazi. Uh, no, books. that's that's he's got the, books about Nazi stuff. That, that's, that's the in, uh, that's the uh, Voitek. Yeah, Voitek, Mr. Delinsky. D. Yeah. Yeah, like his his office is out of nightmares. Right, it's what you don't want to see. If you're a boy who's never, if you're a student who's never gone to the principal's office, that's what the principal's office is going to look to you. Right, that guy's uh, yeah, that guy's got a scary backstory. I'm sure his prequel movie would be terrifying. Yeah, for sure. Whatever it would be, I think these movies make a perfect double bill. By the way, so not only should you not fast forward through them, you should yep. watch them both back to back together. I agree. That's that's my thought. That's how I watched them. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can't go wrong with either one of these. So, uh, anybody got anything else? Okay, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I can just we, do how my can we improve on perfection. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I'm just go through my through my points. Say you've got 20 minutes to watch this movie before the world ends, and you just really want to get through it. <laughs> Well, oh, make man. sure you make sure you you watch the the ever so slow. I'm in a hurry montage at the beginning. Yeah, because it's like he's in a hurry, but everything he does, he's super slow. Anyway, right. so so number one, you got the rumor mill scene. I've got that right there. The the rumor mill where you learn about Buddy Ravel, awesome stuff. Number two, you got the confrontation with Buddy where he sticks his shoes in the in the urinal. He goes all over the floor right. and just flushes it over and over again. Yes, I've never seen you know like there's the wedgie. And there's the knock the guy against the wall, and then there's that. I've never seen that again. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the, three. You've got the the pep rally where the cheerleaders are knocking that thing apart, and not the the fake blood's going everywhere. I think they do that in Napoleon Dynamite too. But other than that, it's a really gruesome kind of kind of pep rally scene, and it's right. it's awesome. And the head flies off, and Lance Bynum's got a skull in it with red glowing eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I only have four, five, and six. So four, I've got Wojtek Delinsky's office. Uh, five, I've got the catharsis on the rooftop because you know the, right. he, he tries to pay the bully off, and the bully says, you know, you know, at least you could have tried. And and then you know he has to go up to the rooftop and think, and he says, you know what, I'm going to do this. And then you know six is the fight because it's a fantastic fight scene. It's the culmination of the whole thing, and they don't disappoint. That's I love I, I love the punch when he walks by and he punches the lockers. <laughs> then when he turns the corner, he's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah." yeah I, I agree with all this. The only the only two two scenes that I would substitute there if you had to if you had to fast forward this appointment. I really sure. love the scene with the teacher when he attempts to get oh, um, yes. 
detention and he ends up yes. doing a very perverted book <laughs> report and it inadvertently ha- makes the teacher fall in love with him i right. just think he's brilliant and really funny and that's that's a that's an example of the the um tangerine dream music right. being like perfectly used nice <laughs> just like building that tension for that and then and i kind of think the the library scene where yes. where uh, the other guy craig manning tries to stop buddy is pretty uh is pretty epic yeah <laughs> i, I still i still say large marge <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want to sell franny short <laughs> franny his 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 uh, best friend who has the spirit guide who says that he's yes. a warrior and he'd be okay she's she's awesome it's just a sub character right. is i guess a secondary character and she what she has that romantic interlude with him whereas as soon as he's like, well, all right, sure, let's do this. She's right. like, oh, I, I can't do this. And she goes away. Yeah, that's what that all about. Yeah, it's hard to take <laughs> away what happened there because either she didn't like it or she did like it and didn't know what to do. It's kind of well, a- At the end, she kisses him again. I think it was just she'd been pursuing him for so long that when he decided to to come back, she didn't know how to do it. She didn't know how to handle it. She just kind of figured he would say no again and walk away. Hmm. There's also a great movie where the dork, the the lead nerd character, somehow ends up becoming like such the man by the right. end of it. Because not only does he have his best friend who wants to hook up with him, he's got a uh, what's the other main girl's name? Is it Karen, the super hot, most popular girl in school, yeah. who ends up inviting him to the party? Yeah. So she's all about him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to my party tonight. And then the teacher, the teacher is just like, <laughs> you know, madly love. And then what I love is the way that. And it's a good commentary on the opening with the buddy, everyone talking about buddy is then it True. closes with everybody talking about Jerry, right. but it's exactly. so exaggerated. It's like, I heard he tore Mrs. Farmer's clothes up for the whole class. <laughs> You're like, who is this guy? He's an animal. <laughs> so maybe the stuff about, you know, um, about buddy, buddy is all true. I, yeah. Know, who knows? I don't know what they're trying to say with that outro, but I always thought that was really fascinating too, is that by the end of it, you're yep. kind of like, I don't know, maybe that's just high school. How oh, legends yeah. are born. I'm so <laughs> glad you pointed that stuff out because, you know, as you're going through it, I'm just, yeah, absolutely. That Those are great things about this movie. And, you know, remembering this from my childhood, you know, I had to look back at it and go, man, is that really how this went? Particularly yeah. that Franny scene, because that Franny scene's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is a really weird we, yeah. we are here to bond. Yeah. <laughs> So. She's got like a little bed set up with like the school colors or whatever because it's in the school store with candles. Yeah. It's yeah. like where did candles. you find candles in in the school? That's she brought weird. them in her bag, I guess. Yeah, yeah. This movie is great, and uh, you can't go wrong with it. It's just that simple. I agree. I think it's totally <laughs> overlooked. I think the ones that are really into it understand what a gem of a movie this one is. The ones that haven't seen it, what's the holdup? So rating wise, it's another ten. <laughs> 10 here as well yeah <laughs> i'm gonna be truthful i you know it, it lost something from from childhood to today it's still a solid still a solid nine i won't take much away from it but there were some scenes in it where i just i don't know maybe too much has been borrowed from it since or sure i kind of looked into savage steve holland movies because i thought well maybe you know maybe it's just some of those watered it down but it's like savage steve holland like better off dead came out in 85 and uh, One Crazy Summer in 86, and this came out in 87, and I think it could have borrowed more heavily from them if I was going to be bothered by that. I'm going to call it a solid nine and not tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so good. That's a good review. Sure, I, sure. 
I, yeah, I can't say need, bad things. Yeah. We need and we need these on Blu-ray because unfortunately they're both only DVD yes. titles right now. So absolutely, I'd buy both of these in a heartbeat if they come out. So yep, same here. Well, is that part of what you do, Rob? Do you like put stuff on Blu-ray and go talk to production companies? I uh, know I have I have nothing to do with the actual. Uh, you know, t- it's it's weird how titles work. I, I get hired almost as a freelancer by people that. All right, let me explain. So somebody like Scream Factory, for example, um, they license awesome. a title from one of the big major studios, like Universal Studios. They'll, they'll license one of their titles. So they decide that they're going to put it out on Blu-ray. And then in turn, they hire a, um, a producer to do the special features. Okay. Normally, that producer will call me and be like, hey, since you're in town, can you go talk to so-and-so? And... You know, and it's just it's just like a quick day's work. I, I don't really get much. I don't, I don't have as much involvement as you'd think. It's just a one day kind of thing for most of these. But, but you know, it's fun because sometimes I get to do the commentary, and then um, that's like you know you get to spend right. an afternoon talking about the movie with somebody involved with it. So that's always a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm like more of a hired gun, but I'm more than happy to participate in any of these DVD releases, Blu-ray releases, if I can. Well, that's yeah. awesome makes all the difference when you love them too because you don't you you want to be associated with them in any degree so that's awesome yeah yeah i mean these like these two i would if some i would work on those in a heartbeat if somebody called me because i know them that's the other thing if you know the movie through and through it it um it's easier for you to just jump right in and be like yeah i can work on that tomorrow i've had a few gigs where it's movies i don't not that i don't love them but i don't know them as well as you know there's probably somebody else more educated to, to do it, but I'll jump in and really try my best. Um, but yeah, it's more, I, I get really, I'm re- more rewarded when it's a movie I grew up loving. So I know Rob's got to run. We appreciate him coming on the show, man. Hey, can't thank you enough. It's just a thrill to get to just sit here and talk with you about these movies, man. Well, thank you for having me. I don't, I don't get to talk about these movies that often. So I really appreciate it. Right. All right. Danny, you got anything? Well, you know, uh, just like you, thanks for coming on, Rob. It was, it's great to have your insight because all three of us, you know, we, we bring something different to the table. And anytime you want to come back, you know, thanks, Rick, for bringing you on, and and uh, thanks for coming with us. No, it's thanks been a so blast. much, man. I, re- I really appreciate that. Maybe maybe a Savage Steve episode at some point. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I, yeah, I well, that's coming. Say on those. <laughs> all right, I'll keep you posted, man. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds great. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. And now, Rick has a simple question. Why? George Lucas, the ghost of Anakin Skywalker. Why? The last time we saw Anakin, he was an old dude who had a change of heart. His son fixed the problem, and Anakin fulfilled his destiny by throwing the Emperor to his death. So why have a young Anakin at the end? Why? That's just stupid. You ripping my childhood, Lucas? Welcome to the Weaver High School store. We have many items you'll need for school. Oh, should I start over? Okay, we have pens. Oh, you won't believe what just came in from Wright Brothers. It has an amazing flow system, but writes upside down. Or you could just get a pick. 
How about some paper? We have notebook paper of all kinds. Standard, college rule, legal pads, steno pads, spiral pads, white, yellow, and that's about it. Oh, I know you Tigers want to show your true colors in that upcoming game against the Panthers. Bicycle swag here. Um, thanks, and come by our store. Now what do I say? really all I got on that one. You're still raping my childhood, Lucas. Hey, appreciate everybody hanging out with us again, man. Such an honor to have Rob G on our show hanging out. And uh, again, I think you can tell the guy knows what he's talking about. So a lot of good information and just a real nice guy. I appreciate him coming on and, and giving us this, this time. I know he's busy doing other things. So for him to stop and, and do this is just greatly appreciated. Yeah, definitely had a had a fantastic time with him on the show and and uh, some insight uh, from somebody else who loves the movies as much as we do. Um, we hope that you run out as fast as you can and you find these two movies so that you can watch them on your own and you don't have to go by our guide. But if you don't, you won't have as much fun. <laughs> they are awesome. Both of them. Great movies. So something a little different this episode. So hope you enjoyed it. Next episode maybe delayed a little bit unless we come up with something special to put in in between here but uh, that weekend we will be on our way to texas frightmare and uh, we are planning on doing some sort of episode while we're there going to meet up with hopefully johnny krug while we're there get to hang out with him a bit and uh looking forward to it man i love going there right so yeah texas frightmare weekend we've gone several times it's a lot of fun and that's where we discovered Killer POV and, and getting to meet Rob. and All that leads to the point we're at right now. So uh, Texas is a great time, man. It's a long drive, but that's part of the adventure. And we like adventure. <laughs> Hey-o. Hey-o. If we get Talon to come along with his three-bladed sword, we could we could have <laughs> quite the adventure. Or, uh, or women get, to love. <laughs> and and uh, women who dress as mails for newspaper articles sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) all right appreciate it you guys keep uh going to legion checking everything out appreciate it man uh we just got uh some news for the last month that uh we were the second most downloaded show so that's you guys making it happen we appreciate that keep it going we'll see you next time next time <laughs> All right, we appreciate you being. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not ready. <laughs> Space dudes, <laughs> space dudes, welcome back to Yo Mama's podcast. Yeah, the Rick, Rob, and two guys named Buddy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah you've been rick robbed <laughs> you've been rick robbed <laughs> never gonna get you up. 
quick. But I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what to say at the beginning, too. And it lost. Changing the pace a little bit. And uh, we've gone through the sci-fi and the other wish-wash. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. I'm just yabbing. <laughs> Mishmash, wish-wash. Mishmash, wish-wash. Crippity crap. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not um, Spartacus. Thank goodness. <coughs> Spartacus I in the 80s. Um, Spartacus. <laughs> So with no further ado, without further ado, how do you do, Mountain Dew? You just got to work Mountain Dew in there somewhere, don't you? I'll tell you, man, I don't know what's going on. Ah! (laughs) We're just going to start screaming. Ah! Ah! Here's the show. Ah! (laughs) Welcome to the show, Sam Kennison. (laughs) Ah!